Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Spilling Lemonade Podcast. This is your host, Cami Nelson, and today I'm here with a super special guest. I'm not a thousand percent sure how to pronounce her last name, so I'm going to let her <laughs> introduce herself. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Liz Masiosio. It's a very hard last name to pronounce. Um, and online, my handle is peanut butter in Paris. And I am in eating disorder recovery. I am 18 years old. I'm a senior in high school. And yeah. Welcome uh, to Spilling Lemonade Podcast. I'm super honored and excited to have you on here. So glad that you said yes. Thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, with that being said, we you know we just kind of want to discuss today some stuff along like mental health and recovery and such. And uh, so for my first topic, I wanted to ask you about your actually your handle, like peanut butter in Paris, and where you got that from. So. I, when I was making my account, I was thinking about different, like, handles I could use, and I was always thinking about, like, Liz's recovery or something like that, and then I was on TikTok, and I found this girl who was also in recovery, and her name was Boston and Bagels, and I was like, I love that, like, I, I don't know, I just loved it so much, and I was like, and in her bio, it said two of my main reasons to recover were Boston and bagels. So I was like, what's a place and something I want to recover for? And I was like, oh, peanut butter in Paris. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I love that. And I love peanut butter. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, so how I was wondering how far along, like how long have you been in recovery for? So my recovery started in like the second week of last April. So okay. it's almost a year. Awesome. Awesome. And how's that been going for you so far? There's been a lot of ups and downs. Um, yeah. Obviously, everyone's journey is different. And I don't know. I think especially with like the weight restoration process – I think I was I was inpatient, so I, I put on a lot of weight fast, and I don't know. I think dealing with, like, invalidation and just getting back into, like, my normal life after being in the hospital, like, it's just there's been a lot of ups and downs, but right now we're on an up wave, so hopefully we're going. Uh, that's actually something I myself personally relate to. I started... Um, I went inpatient twice and the first time I remember like when, obviously when you're inpatient the goal is to get you medically stable so for those of you who don't know and it's totally validating like you still haven't validated eating disorder if you don't mm -hmm. I've never gotten inpatient but generally you have to put on a lot of weight fast and because the goal is to kind of get out of there and I definitely understand what you mean in terms of like mentally that's a really hard thing to do because it's mm -hmm. like physically recovering but not mentally recovering yeah. And so then it feels a lot less validating because they're in, you know, people perceive you as more recovered than you are. Mm -hmm. And really sometimes you're equal yours, if not more sick in that healthier body. Yeah. Especially like with comments, I know, I know like people are trying to be helpful. Like my parents are like, oh, you're doing so well, like just because I'm eating something or 
family members, like extended family saying, oh, you look so much better now. It's like, I think sometimes people lose sight of that this is a mental disorder and it just has physical effects for some people. And the idea of an eating disorder has come into being extremely thin. Um, and, and that's just not the case. I think it's a mental, totally mental thing that has physical effects. Absolutely. And I think you put that so well that it's definitely not like a weight disorder. It's a mental disorder. Like it's an eating disorder and sometimes it has physical side effects Mm -hmm. and that definitely comments can be very invalidating. I know that I've gotten several comments like after I came back from residential this summer, like, and you know, people have good intentions when they say like, you're so much healthier. Like I can tell you got better and I did get better, but still those comments made it a little bit harder. And I was wondering if you had any advice for our listeners on like, how have you dealt with comments? So some, I think what really helps is like putting, putting yourself in their perspective, um, being, not being so reactive, like getting mad that someone might say that, because if you put yourself in their perspective, they see you as someone who was struggling physically and was in a really deep place. And now with treatment or starting recovery and now that you're nourishing yourself that's what you want I think you have to understand that people are just trying to say something to make you feel better and like give you props but also understand that the part of you is that is getting frustrated with these comments is the eating disorder part like that part is hearing these comments as oh you're gaining weight Instead of, you can look at it from a healthy perspective and saying, oh, I am doing better. I am nourishing myself. I, I'm feeling better mentally. Like, it's just a whole perspective thing, I think. Yes, I definitely think changing perspective on things in a lot of situations when it comes to, like, recovery can help a lot. And just, um, like, one way I like to change my perspective, not necessarily the way you talked about, about, like, comments. But sometimes when I have urges to do behaviors, I always tell myself, like, what would I tell my recovery friends to do like or what would I tell my best friend to do because it kind of just shifts your perspective when you can't necessarily care about yourself you can still care about other people and you can think about how those other people care about you and it doesn't always work but I think that a change in perspective can sometimes be really helpful yeah it really is um another kind of question I get like asked a lot and that'll uh I just kind of asked people like what questions they had for my guests and stuff recently. And one question that I got asked was a lot about like body image and body image tips. And so to kind of transition into that conversation, I just wanted to ask like currently, like how are you handling? Cause a lot of women, not even just people with eating disorder and men mm-hmm. and non-binaries, I don't want to limit it to women, but a lot of people have struggle with body image and it's a very normal thing. And I just, I don't want to assume that you've struggled with body image, but um, what's been your experience with it? So originally my eating disorder didn't really like start as a body image thing. Um, it actually started out really healthy just in quarantine. Like I wanted to do something with my time and I started learning about the real healthy cooking, like not healthy as in low calorie. Like I was finding out about like different nutrients and superfoods and 
healthier, healthier alternatives, not like the low calorie alternative. And then that manifested into, um, my eating disorder and it became like a sense of control. So it never really even was about my body. And then at some point I looked in the mirror and I said, I don't even like the way I look like I'm, I'm too small. So it really never was about my body until now, actually, in recovery. So I've t I know I've talked about this on my TikTok, but recently I've been going to the gym and weightlifting again, which has been incredible for my mental health. But I've noticed that my body image changes if I'm inside of the gym or outside of the gym. Oh, yes. I, too, actually, I... I'm recovering um, from an ACL injury. And so I've just started going to the gym two weeks ago, I think. And I was actually really surprised in the ways that it changed my body image. Like I thought it wouldn't play that big of a role, but it definitely has. Like, and there's definitely a difference inside versus outside the gym. Crazy. And if you wanted to elaborate on that, I think that would be really interesting. Yeah. So outside of the gym, I've, I've always been, I've had a muscular build my whole life. I've been playing sports. I've been active my whole life. And it's just in my genetics. And outside of the gym, I've been very self-conscious of that. And I've, I always think, oh, or my eating disorder tries to tell me, oh, you need to lose weight. Oh, you're too big. This is, this is too big. You need to get smaller. Comparison and everything. And yeah. then when I get in the gym, I look in the mirror and I look around me and I'm like, I'm so small compared to these people. Like I need to, I need to get bigger. But why does that, why does that change? Like when you walk into the gym door and you're surrounded by different people and it makes me think about why am I paying so much attention to how my body is quote unquote supposed to look if that changes so quickly and I've just been having, like, revelations about my body image recently. So I definitely think, like, that's a thing that happens in recovery. I also have been having, like, I had this revelation the other day that I was kind of, like, going to the gym. And I was thinking to myself, I swim while I'm at the gym. And I swim in a sports swimsuit, but it's a two-piece sports swimsuit. And generally, I go to the gym at night, so I'm already kind of bloated. And that's just, you know, at first, that was a really hard challenge. But I had this revelation the other day and I kind of just was like, like there's been a couple, but this one was like, I, I just realized like I didn't really care all that much anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, I'm like, I'm the only one who even swims in the pool. Like I'm here swimming, getting faster, doing all this fun stuff. Like I'm strong. I'm fast. I have fun. And not a single person here. Like if anyone's watching me, they're going to go, oh, wow, look, she can swim. They're not going to think, oh, look at her body. And then the other revelation I kind of had was like along the lines of when I started working out, my body image started getting a lot better. But obviously my body hasn't changed. Like that's not even possible. It's been two weeks. Like <laughs> the gym has done nothing to my body. And, you know, I'm eating way more now and stuff. And at first that was kind of hard on me. But then I had like a little bit of a moment where I was like, I'm feeling so much better about my body because I really am focusing on now what my body does for me mm -hmm. and I'm trying to focus that in so many ways of like 
not just, oh, it helps me work out. Because not everyone works out. Not everyone enjoys it. Not everyone plays a sport. But, like, all the thoughts that I have in recovery, I was thinking about how much more in-depth and how more cognitive ability I have Mm -hmm. compared to, like, the melancholy, melodrome, kind of, like, day-by-day through-the-motion thoughts that I used to have and just how thankful I am for that. Yeah, I definitely I I, ta- I know I've said this a bunch of times but I think back to when I took my SATs for the first time and that was like really deep into my eating disorder and then I took them again right after starting recovery and like the only thing that had changed was my nutrition and I went up hundreds of points on the SAT and it just shows how important food is to your body and it's it literally is fuel and even like last year I took anatomy and physiology just learning about what your body does it's incredible and I think that really helps like again switching perspectives like look in the perspective of what is my body doing for me like it's it's insane how this machine runs by itself like everything works without you having to tell it to. It's crazy. Uh, yes, no, it's when you honestly just re- I feel like one thing I never expected in recovery was how much I was going to enjoy the other aspects of my life. Like I think when I started a large part of my recovery for me personally was just I I didn't want to be cold and I didn't want to be hungry yeah. and I didn't want to die. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really ready for or expecting, I guess, all the other parts of recovery. Like my grades, but I'd always been a straight student until my eating disorder. And then I became like a 13% at one point in the semester. And all of a sudden I became a straight A student again. And I'd always had a lot of friends and then I had no friends. And all of a sudden my friends came back and I just hadn't realized like the correlations to how much like improvement I was going to see in other aspects of my life. And at first I thought it was for at the cost of having good body image. But one thing that's really funny is that I've learned before my eating disorder, I had no body image issues. Like that's not where it stemmed from kind of how you had said it stemmed actually mine from quarantine as well. And just like I was getting into health and then that is just a deep rabbit hole to go down. And along the way somewhere I picked up pretty severe body image issues. And when I came out of my eating disorder, those also kind of went away and I still struggle sometimes with pretty severe body image, but it's like, instead of every day, every hour, it's like one out of every 10 days now, maybe I have a bad body image day. Mm -hmm. And so I thought when I started recoveries where I'm going with this is that I was going to have to sacrifice for all these other good aspects of life. I was going to have to sacrifice my body image. But what I learned is that the most, one of the most unexpected things in recovery for me has been the improvement in my body image. So I genuinely feel more neutral and more positive in my body. And I kind of wanted to ask you if there's anything that's really like unexpected or surprised about recovery for you. There's a lot. And, and I think choosing, choosing recovery and being devoted to recovery is like, you expect weight gain and and you expect all these physical effects, but really like the mental effects are, are crazy. And, and it really puts in perspective how food like 
really the this idea of controlling your food affects your whole life. Um, I have, what's crazy is I didn't even notice that I talked about this on my, on my TikTok. Some physical effects were my body started smell like I took showers all the time. My body started smelling horrible. I had like weird like hair growth on my stomach and I went to bed at like 7:30 like it was awful. And then the unexpected change is that I sweat less and I don't my parents say I don't smell like that anymore. Thank God. I the hair growth is normal. I have hunger cues actually now. I have energy to do things. I it like it opens your eyes to what life really is and and helps you understand that life is not food. There is it is just a small aspect of your life. And I think that's the most unexpected thing actually is that there's so much more to life than food. Yes, there's definitely more to life than food. And I think one of the best parts of recovery for me has been coming over food obsession. Mm. I know I used to, as a lot of people with eating disorders do, not all, but a lot, will watch like calorie challenges or what I eat in a day is like, not just like a couple though, like some, you know, people without eating disorders would like, maybe that's pretty much all you watch to an extent at least, or to an obsessive extent. And I was so shocked, but also so happy that eventually I got, and not right away in recovery, like it took time, but eventually, slowly and slowly, like my For You page started having non-recovery related things and non-what I eat in a day and other videos. And it just became such a smaller aspect of my life. Now, it's not like I have a problem with what I eat in a day. I just don't watch them because like, no offense to people who make them, I just don't find them that interesting anymore. Like, because I'm not thinking about food all the time and I don't f really feel a need to compare anymore. Yeah. And I don't really watch, like I never watch a calorie challenge anymore or Food Network or anything like that. And I think it's nice having the brain freedom and having that brain freedom. I have done so many other things. Like I've started this podcast. I'm writing a novel currently. Um, Crazy. That's yeah. I actually wrote the first eight chap uh, full eight chapters in residential because we had a lot of time mm -hmm. and we had time for our computers, but I wasn't doing school because it was summer. So I wrote, started a book and I hope to publish that in the next couple of years. That's but, so definitely read it. <laughs> <laughs> but not, what I'm going with this is none of this would have happened kind of had I not started eating more because when you're not, when you're eating the bare minimum or not eating enough, your body, that's all it's really able to think about mm -hmm. is food, living through other people eating food. Like we're humans. We're, it's our natural instinct. And I used to get so upset with myself and I thought I was a bad person for being food obsessed and the truth is that I wasn't a bad person. I was a starved person. And, mm. you know, now I try to really be kinder on myself when I'm hungry. And yeah. kinder on myself when I'm having food thoughts. And Yeah, I, I definitely had... I did the whole calorie challenge thing. I would... I found myself at the grocery store, like, a lot of the days out of the week. Like just making excuses to go to the grocery store and just stare at food the whole time. 
or think about food or even do crazy things like when I'm making food, I would make all the food in my house. And when I was making a plate for one of my family members, I would be so obsessed about how much I gave them, how much I gave myself, make sure that I gave them more calories. Like it, it just became like this competition oh, with, yeah. with like literally like these people are just eating and they're my family and I love them so much. And I created this competition in my head because I was so obsessed with food. It, it was like, like it felt so like evil. It was weird. Yeah, no, I, I get that a lot. I know that um, eating disorders are definitely evil beings. And I really, I still feel guilt. And actually, I was considering eventually doing an episode about this of like, how it affected my family and such. Mm-hmm. Because I know not only did it scare them, I also feel bad before they knew I had an eating disorder. Of all the little things like trying to make my family members bigger, and trying to make my friends bigger, and just stuff that I really regret doing. Because yeah. I was, but I try to remind myself it's a very, it's coming from a sick place in our brains. Mm-hmm. But that's another reason why I'm so thankful. Like now that I see more like clearly that I, those things don't even really make sense. Like they had nothing to do with me. Yeah. And that it's all just part of like food obsession. Mm-hmm. And, and definitely like that's, it's your body. When you're obsessing about food, it's your body and your brain trying to tell you that's what you need. There's a reason why you're thinking about watching people eat or going to the grocery store or just thinking about food all the time. It's because your body's trying to tell you to, to eat because it needs that food. It, there's a point where you, if you stop ignoring your hunger cues, they just go away. So your body is trying to tell you it's hungry. You're not paying attention to it okay, now I'm going to take over everything you do and make you think about food all the time. And thankfully, like, people in recovery get pulled out of that and start getting nourishment because there's definitely a point where, like, you just need help because you just lose yourself into the eating disorder. And it's very sad, but that's also the, the beauty of recovery is that you find yourself again. Yeah. Two things I wanted to touch upon on what you said. The first was kind of that, how, you know, you get like, I don't know exactly what I was going to, where, what you said that reminded me of this, but it was kind of the top of topic of extreme hunger. I don't know if you've, or some people call it healing hunger or whatever. I know personally, like one thing is like how you're saying when you're thinking about food, I, as I started working out recently, I didn't realize, obviously I'm honoring all my hunger, but mm-hmm. I didn't realize quite how hungrier I was going to be. Yeah. And my stomach isn't necessarily, I'm probably eating close to twice as much now. And I was eating like a recovery amount, like, and that's okay. Like for whatever, my metabolism, for whatever reason has decided that it's preparing for war and that's okay. And I'm going to feed it all. <laughs> and yeah. I, but it's because I'm eating so much more, my stomach doesn't necessarily get hungry. But it's, yeah. like, my heart and my brain that's hungry. Like, I know I need food, but my stomach feels full, even when I'm eating denser foods. Yeah. And so I'm trying – one thing I try to mind myself is even if your stomach's full, it might be because your stomach isn't used to the quantity of food that you need to eat. But your brain is always going to tell you the right thing. Like, if you're thinking about food, it's because you're hungry. It's not because you have an obsession or an addiction to food, which mm-hmm. I used to think I had. That's not a thing. It's something you need to survive. <laughs> like – 
And the second thing I wanted to touch upon was like how you find yourself. I think one really cool thing is I was always told there's three yous if you have an eating disorder. There's the you before your eating disorder, the you in your eating disorder, and the you outside after recovery. And the you after recovery and in recovery is not going to be the same you that's the you before. Mm-hmm. And I think you find like a whole different you. Like you recover some of the parts of yourself that you once loved, but you also get to repair some of the parts of you that were broken. And I think it's like beautiful kind of becoming a new person almost. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm not the same person as I was yesterday and I'm not going to be the same person tomorrow that I am today. And humans and really is ever changing and nothing is, one of my therapists says, nothing is perfect personal or permanent and it's just like that can go towards like your friends or your body like trying to control your body to make it stay the same way it's changing every day and then who you are can change every day and and that's actually beautiful and when you're not really obsessing about food anymore and you're just food becomes purely nourishment for you you can just find yourself again, find what makes you happy or heal different things in your life that need healing, not just the food part, you know? Absolutely, yes. Um, With all that said, I kind of wanted to talk about one thing you said, like food being nourishment. I also love like finding that I didn't realize how much food could be social as well. Like I had no idea how much I was missing out on every time I said no to going to coffee or no, like this morning, I literally went to breakfast with two of my best friends mm-hmm. and got French toast and sausage. And it was amazing. It was great. And um, I just never realized like the amount of opportunities I've had through like, oh, do you want to go to dinner together? Oh, thank you. You brought me the surprise treat. Now we can talk for a couple minutes. Like I love all those opportunities that recover co- recovery has brought me. Yeah, I definitely lost every single one of my friends um to my eating disorder i lost my connection with my family i the the most hard hitting thing is i'm 100% italian and every sunday we go to my grandma's house she's my nonna we go to my nonna's house and we usually have pasta or whatever traditional italian meal she makes and she would go to hand me a plate and I would pull out my little Tupperware of all pre-weighed, low-calorie, all that stuff. And she'd just look at me and, and ask me in Italian, why, why aren't you eating this? And she'd look at my mom and say, why isn't she eating the food I made her? And, and like, I just wanted to be in control so bad that I, I lost that connection with my grandma. And, again, being Italian, like, food is at the center of every table every event it's all about the food and coming together around the food it's such a cultural thing it's just it shows love and time and effort and you just don't really realize that when you're when you're just listening to this voice in your head that's telling you that it's giving you control um and now like holidays aren't just about restriction leading up to it or that day or whatever it's about coming together with my family and yeah the food is there but it's a social thing and and going out with friends and like it's just everything yes 
I love that. It's, it's everything. It's everywhere and everyone needs it. And you know, you're going to have it every day for the rest of your life. And why not start healing that relationship with it now? Mm -hmm. Um, Also another question that I had is like, I know for me, one thing that's really worked in recovery is I have like a team that I work with. And I was curious if you've, but a lot of people I know do recovery kind of solo. Do you have like, what's your support system look like? (sighs) My support system is incredible, but like, I think at the core of it, it's me and my parents. And then I have a therapist. He's just a regular psychotherapist. I went to for, just life and being a teenager and like anxiety and depression. And then he started getting worried. So he referred me to get weight at my pediatrician. So she's actually a big part of my, my team. I've been seeing her like forever. And then she, she referenced me to go to the eating disorder clinic in my state Rhode Island. And, um, so then the whole eating disorder team at the hospital I, I went to became my team for a while. And I did outpatient with them. They gave me a dietitian, like therapists, like family counselors, all that stuff. They had it all set out. And after a while, I just started getting mad every time I would go to the weigh-ins at the clinic or something because they were treating me like it was my first day in the hospital. And it's not their fault because they're, they're so, that's their job. They're concerned. Yes. About yeah. But I was like, well, I want to, I want to progress. I want to, I don't want to come in here and, and have to pee in a cup and, and do like orthostatics every single time. Like I just, I want it to be, smaller aspect of my life yeah yeah like making these whole travel days and missing school to go to outpatient and so then I found a new dietitian and she is like I talk to her more than a lot of people (laughs) I, I text her all the time um she talks to me in recovery record we have meetings every week she sends me pictures of, of her cats. Cause we both love cats. Like she's just really, really amazing. And I still have that first therapist that recommended me to hire treatment. And he's just like, real. I'm really close with him. And my pediatrician is where I get weighed. And that's, that's basically my team right now. My pediatrician. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you have any like current, like very specific goals that you're working on with your team or like individually or even if they're not necessarily recovery, like just in general? So currently I I meet with my dietitian every Monday and we've been noticing that I really stick to the same foods, like just whether it was a safe food that's always been safe or a fear food that I've challenged repeatedly and just become more safe with because I realize that nothing bad is going to happen to me. Like I was scared of bagels with avocado for so long. And then I started having that for breakfast. And then I just like, it just became a routine to wake up and make that. And 
like food used to be a creative outlet and a passion somewhere I could just like, I remember failing my driver's test the first time I took my driver's test, I failed and I came home and immediately I just started cooking. This was before my eating disorder. I was just creative to clear my mind. And I think that's my biggest goal right now is to be creative in the kitchen again and, and just really just not count anything, not look at the labels of anything, just add a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And just under like put into action I can understand that food is more than just calories but like putting into action and 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 creating again yes definitely um I know for me like one of my bigger goals I kind of have like a different goal of the week if that makes sense or like a mm-hmm. month so if I was terrified a couple weeks ago of like having sugary breakfasts so I did it every day until I wasn't afraid of it, which is kind of extreme, but I was really irritated that I was afraid of it. And now, like, I went and had French toast and syrup and all of that goodness this morning and zero fear. And so now my current goal that I'm working on is kind of just a little bit along the lines of what you said is, like, having more variety, kind of, and just mm-hmm. exploring new foods and just trying different things. And right now I'm, like, kind of going through a bar phase so I'm trying like a bunch of different cliff bars and like I love I love that's another thing like these these like diet culture products oh like you can't have a protein bar or you can't do this but like if it's something I genuinely enjoy I want to try all these different flavors um literally I feel like there's a difference between like certain diet foods too like and certain like everyone's different like I know for me like, it would be a behavior if I had, like, like a Quest bar. But, like, if I had a Barbells bar, I love those. It wouldn't be a behavior. Like, and they're basically yeah. the same thing. Like, and so I don't judge myself in, or my recovery when I eat something. Even though it was maybe a food that I was okay eating in my eating disorder. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's a food that... Or, like, carrots. I eat carrots every day in my eating disorder. I still eat carrots every day. I love carrots. Like, mm-hmm. why would I give up? I think a lot of recovery is about what you can add not what you're going to subtract. Exactly. I, that was a hard thing coming out of treatment and they gave a list of things and my, my mom posted on the, on the cupboard of things that I can't have in the house and all these, all these rules you have to follow. And like one time when I started being able to go back to the grocery store to like pick up something, I forgot what I bought. I think I bought like a a protein bar or something and she hid it. Like my mom hid it from me. And I know it's coming out of like a good place and they just get scared. And that's the thing. Like my parents are just scared and they just, they see these things as like, Oh, like that's eating disorder, Liz. Like we need to take it away. So she doesn't do that. Um, and the biggest thing that my mom like, f- like would freak out and like, call my dietitian, be like, is this okay that she's having this? Like, she knows she's not supposed to be having this. The biggest thing is that it's not a meal anymore. My meal isn't all sugar-free, fat-free diet products. It's, it might be a little aspect of it. Like, like if I make oatmeal in the morning and I want to add protein powder in it, okay, that gives a little flavor to it, but I add the peanut butter. I add the, I have the oats. I have the fruit. It's not my whole diet because that was a big thing for me. Like my whole diet 
was diet food. Yes, it, yeah. It was just all chemicals. And I think that's that's the big thing to remember is that eating disorders are different for everyone. Just because it's something that you ate during your eating disorder doesn't mean that you're relapsing or something. Like, maybe you genuinely like it. Because I know I genuinely like cake pop protein powder. And I always will. So... That is one thing I love is like, I had such a similar experience. I didn't have a list of foods I wasn't allowed to eat, but when I, so as I've said, and a lot of the people listening know, I went inpatient twice. And the first time we were doing FBT, I was 15 and we only did FBT for three months. It, I'm not going to go into details, but it was not the method for my family at all. I was already suicidal to begin with and that just kind of kept it going and it just it resulted in some not good things and my parents I remember like I would ask to have like so when I got back finally after three months I went inpatient I mean I did go inpatient I went to res like a month after doing FBT and I was only in res for four days and then I spent a couple weeks in like the psych hospital and when I came back the psych hospital was like she's fine like she you just fbt is what's making her so upset so let her have full control of everything so yeah. it was a big switch and i remember the first thing i did is i wanted to cook something in the air fryer because i didn't want to cook it in the oven mm-hmm. but i bought the air fryer during my eating disorder and my mom was like <sighs> like hyperventilating she was like watching she's like this is it she's already relapsing day one and i I mean, I wasn't doing great, but I, that wasn't, that wasn't how I was relapsing. Yeah. And so we never went back to FBT just to end that part of the story. But (laughs) I definitely think that I now know there's things that I can eat and there's things that would definitely be a behavior for me. And it's different. Like something that might be a behavior for me isn't a behavior for someone. Like a lot of people love protein powder. I have kidney disease. Like I am not allowed to have protein powder. From my kidney doctor. So I would like secretly buy protein powder and keep it from her. Like for me, it's a behavior, but not because of how it tastes or because it's a diet product, but because of my kidney disease. As for for most people, you know, protein powder is fine. It's like something you can add. It's not going to be like the only thing you eat, obviously, but like as for someone else might like, I was eating a bar and one of my friends in recovery was like, I can't eat that bar. Like that's a big, like, trigger food and like da 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 da. I was like, well, for me, it's not. So I think Mm -hmm. never to like really judge, like, you know, and try not to make it so black and white. I can't eat this. I can't, can't eat this unless you have a circumstance like mine or you're allergic. Yeah. I think, I think that's a big thing that my, my parents would freak out and I would have to sit them down every time. Like even my mom would let me have a protein bar, but wouldn't let me have protein powder. Like I just sat them down and said, guys, I'm I'm just letting you know, like, just because I'm having this doesn't mean that I'm relapsing or just because the doctor said that I can't have this six months ago because I was in the hospital doesn't doesn't mean that I can't have that for the rest of my life. It's it's the idea that there's a piece of paper plastered on the wall. It's another form of restriction. It's like, yes. It's, it becomes this obsession with, like, it became, my my whole, like, family dynamic was making sure I wasn't eating these foods and 
eating these exact foods. It's just the opposite of like, yeah. it's just recovery. Yeah. Um, we're actually kind of running out of time towards the end of the episode, but before we close, I just wanted to ask if you wanted to give a closing statement, like um, just anything that you really wanted to say, or you really want listeners to hear a takeaway, whatever it is that you haven't gotten to say yet. And so if you would like to go, then. Okay. Um, hmm. I could go first if you would like. Yeah, you can okay. go first. Okay. Just think about what you want to say. So my takeaway for this episode, I talk to you guys every week or twice a week sometimes. So I'm going to make this a little bit short because you guys hear my voice quite often. But is that recovery is different for everybody. And one thing I kind of wanted to talk about this episode that I didn't want to talk about that, I mean, we didn't talk about was I've been really into like trying to focus on body image recently and how to improve it. And one topic I didn't talk about was body neutrality. And how I think really trying to see your body as just like an entity. It's just a being and not putting worth is it not putting worth in it as like, oh, I have a good body. All bodies are good bodies. Like I try to see things now a little bit more as like all bodies are bodies. Mm-hmm. Like they can't be good or bad. And I know that was a whole different topic, but that was kind of just one thing I wanted to put out there, kind of random. Uh, and I will let Liz do her, like whatever she wants to say. Actually, that made me think about what I've been thinking about recently is that our bodies are a vessel for our soul to live in. Um, Your body is changing constantly and something that you will have forever is your soul. And like doing the inner work will, will heal you from the inside out. Like finding what you love to do and taking away these toxic people in your life if they're negatively affecting you or anything, just working for you internally will, your body, like inside and outside will flourish and it it really is health looks different on absolutely everyone. I think that's beautiful. Um, and if everyone was the same, then there would be no, like, it would it would be so boring. Like, picture, like, walking out of the house, and everyone looks like you. Everything looks the same. It's just, there's, doesn't make anything beautiful. And I think being different is a blessing. And find what makes you you inside. And just be unapologetically yourself. And I think that's my message. <laughs> I actually really love that message. It like hit me deep and I bet it hit the people listening to you. I love the word unapologetic. It's like mm-hmm. my favorite word, like be unapologetically you. And with all that said, I just wanted to give one more thank you to our guests today for coming and just that I'm so happy that you're here. And thank to you. all of you, thank you for listening. I know we both really appreciate it and I hope you learned something or heard something that helped you today. See you next time.